Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. I want you all to hear some scriptures this morning about mercy. We shared earlier that this is the beginning of the seventh big idea in the Bible. Can you believe we're at seven already? But I don't want to say these last three are the biggest of all the big ideas, but it is true that what we've been doing all the way, all year long, up till now, is going to prepare us to hear these words. Now, now I chose nine different passages about mercy. So listen carefully to these nine, because they're, they're just, they're really interesting. So nine passages about mercy. This is from Exodus. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Numbers 14. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Nehemiah 9.17. You are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. These are starting to sound the same. Hold on. Psalm 103, 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I am seeing a pattern here. Joel 2.13, return to the Lord your God. Oh, this is different. Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 86, you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love. Oh, this one's different. Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of our Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every day morning and Jonah 4 2 I knew that you are a gracious God merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love that is the word of God for you the people of God thanks be to God The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Mercy. Mercy is what I call a church word. You know what those are? Right? It's a word that we use all the time in church, but you almost never hear it used outside of church. I'm guessing that mercy is not a word that has much currency for those of you in the workplace. Your boss never says, John, I'd like you to be more merciful with our clients this quarter. Mercy is the key to our bottom line, right? You never hear that. You never hear mercy talked about at school. Mercy can't solve an algebraic equation, although you might pray for mercy. Mercy can't find the capital of Sierra Leone on a map. We don't talk about mercy when we gather to watch the Atlanta United game with our friends. Mercy is not how you get your kid into college. 
Mercy can't do any of these things. You don't talk about it. We only talk about it here at church. And even when we do talk about mercy, and we probably say that word once, twice, three or more times a Sunday, we almost never stop and pay attention to what mercy really is. So that's what we're going to do this month. Every Sunday, we're going to look at mercy and hold it in our hands together. So let's begin by asking where this word comes from. Sometimes when you, when you ask where a word comes from, you learn a little bit of uh, something about it. So mercy uh, comes from the Latin merces, which means payment or reward or wages. Mercy in a sense, can be understood as a kind of payment. But of course, in this case, it's not a a payment of money. It's the payment of kindness, of grace. Now, perhaps you're uncomfortable thinking about mercy as a kind of an economic transaction, but I, I think I'm pretty clear that God cares a lot about economics, just maybe not exactly the capitalist kind of economics. So think about mercy as this queer kind of payment. It's a kindness paid that is not deserved, nor is there any expectation of repayment. You might say that mercy is a kind of unbalanced payment. It's off kilter. It's a destabilizing presence. It's almost unfair. In that way of thinking, mercy is very much out of step with things in the world as we expect them to be. You go out this afternoon to the grocery store and you pay for something and and you basically uh, expect that the market is going to price everything appropriately. You're going to pay what something is worth. But mercy seems to work in just the opposite kind of way. It's a payment that doesn't connect at all to value. Mercy is paying something and getting nothing back in return. It's being kind when when someone has done nothing to deserve your kindness. In any situation where there is inequality between two human beings, where there's a a situation where someone uh, has every right to feel superior to someone else morally or economically or socially or physically, when mercy enters into that relationship, it bridges the superiority gap with affection. Mercy says that that separation is a lie. Mercy insists that human beings are not to be arranged in hierarchies of worthiness but in relationships of love and mutuality. You might think of mercy as a kind of reparation that moves toward reconciliation. Now, if you think about it, very few institutions in our society have an appetite for mercy. Most institutions, the ones that that we give most of our time and energy to, are based around things like competition and performance, more, better, faster, more efficient. These these institutions are experts at making distinctions between the superior and the inferior, between the good and the worthy over here and the bad and the unworthy over here. Our major institutions love separating winners from losers. Winners get rewarded, right? And the losers are shamed into getting better or disappearing. But mercy, when it enters that picture, 
muddies the moral clarity. It's not just that institutions don't love mercy either. Sometimes you and I are a little scared of mercy. Many of us think that undeserved kindness is a scary idea. It's scary because we're afraid, some of us are afraid, that too much mercy will ruin people. You know what I mean? I mean, we're afraid a little bit that if we are too merciful, we will, before too long, be living in a chaotic world overrun by freeloaders. A truly merciful person in power is unacceptable. Because that merciful person would expose the lies that undergird all of our social hierarchies. The merciful leader would would shower undeserved rewards, unmerited kindness on those who are on the bottom or the outside. And if there aren't real, terrifying consequences to this game of life, if we reward people who don't deserve it, then no one will want to play the game anymore. If a merciful person in power is unacceptable, is it unacceptable to confess that God is merciful? Because that's what the Bible says. Mercy, the Bible seems to say, is the primary character attribute of God. We began to see glimpses of that last month when we talked about power, how God's power is shown in ways that the world considers weak. God, by nature, we are told in the scripture, is full of mercy. And you heard it repeated again and again in the scriptures that we read this morning. God is gracious and God is merciful. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That phrase is repeated over and over more than a dozen times in scripture, in various kinds of scriptures from different eras, from the Psalms to the prophets to the histories. So often does the Bible say that God is gracious and merciful, that it is a core confessional belief in the Hebrew scripture. If someone asks you what God is like, you can say God is merciful. And we know that. We know in our tradition that mercy is a part of God's character. But what we have never quite agreed on is whether God's mercy has some reasonable limits. Is God always merciful? I mean, maybe God is sometimes merciful. Maybe God is merciful to some, but not so much to others. When you read about God being gracious and merciful, as it appears all over the Hebrew scriptures in all these different passages, if you pay attention to the context, to what's happening in and around those passages, you begin to see how the writers and the editors of our scripture actively wrestled and debated with each other over the limits of God's mercy. Let's look quickly, just quickly this morning, at one example of where uh, mercy and the questions about the limits of mercy get played out. Now, y'all know about Exodus, right? We've talked about that a little bit. Just in case, let me review the major arc of the story, right? God's people are in slavery in Egypt, 
and they cry out, and God hears their cries, and God rescues them. God, God liberates them from slavery by parting the Red Sea, and God delivers the people into the wilderness, right? So they end up wandering in the wilderness, and they are not happy about it. Some of them want to go back to Egypt, and they start doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so God says, okay, okay, let me give you laws. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this covenant of law, these Ten Commandments, and they will guide your life together, and they will, they will give you the, 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 the shape that you need to live together. So God calls Moses up to Mount Sinai and gives the gift of the law, these Ten Commandments given by God in love to keep order and justice. And there, in Exodus 20, just as God is giving this covenant, God says this, I show steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Well, that's pretty good. But you hear there's a condition in there, right? You hear, I will be gracious, God says, so long as you will be obedient. Well, y'all probably know what happens next, right? Right? Moses comes down with the commandments, and the people of God are doing the electric slide around the golden cow, and they are committing idolatry, breaking the very first commandment, even before Moses gets back. And so God flies into a rage and kills thousands of them. It's horrible. And Moses pleads God to stop and relent, and finally God does. And then, of course, the question is, what now? What is God to do now that the people have screwed up and God knows that we cannot be trusted? In Exodus 34, God makes a decision to renew the covenant. God gives new tablets. And when God gives this new covenant to the people, God says this. I am the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I show steadfast love for the thousandth generation. And that's it. Right? If you were listening closely, you'll notice that something disappeared. Something disappeared between chapter 20 and the giving of the law there, and chapter 34 of Exodus and the giving of the law there. But between the first tablets and the second tablets, something disappeared. What was it? The condition. God left out the condition. God decides to be merciful whether you and I keep the commandments or not. How beautiful is that? God gives mercy. God gives kindness and affection and goodness and grace. God pours these things into our lives, even and especially when we don't deserve it. Mercy acknowledges there's a separation in a relationship. And mercy says that separation is 
a lie. Mercy bridges any perceived superiority gap with a bond of affection. Mercy is a rebalancing of a relationship. Mercy is a reparation. Mercy is a recalibration of relationships toward peace and toward reconciliation. God is gracious. And God is merciful, not sometimes or only to some people. God is gracious and merciful always and to everyone. There's only one more thing, I think, to say about this. The Hebrew word for mercy is rachum. Say that with me. Rachum. Kind of fun to say. The root word of rachum is rachem, which is a noun that means womb. So imagine that. Mercy is the womb of human life. Just as you were nurtured in the womb. Just in the same way that you were given everything that you needed to live and thrive even before you existed. In just the same way, after we come into this world, God's womb of mercy surrounds us and gives us what we need to live every single moment of every single day. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Let God's people say, Amen.